0: Welcome to the gathering at Adell's sermon of the week.
1: This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. I believe it's uh, first through fifth elementary today. If uh, if that fits. If you fit into that category, please head back. Who's teaching today? Mike and Angela, all right. The best of the best for y'all today. Y'all go ahead and head back there. They'll I know they got wonderful things for you and they are great for y'all. Uh, man, what a what a great time, what a great season it is. Honestly, not just uh the fall because it's cooler weather, but just a great time to be with the lord and you know we're we're going to be in Ephesians chapter two today uh and honestly, like when you begin to look at it, if you've been in church for any any bit of time you'll you'll see that there's essentially two different styles of preaching, two different uh types one is call, called expository preaching, and one is called topical preaching and uh as you can imagine, that they are—they're opposed to each other, you know. So you have—you have two different types of preaching. The expository is kind of—you know—you just go verse by verse. You start from the beginning of the word and you just preach it all the way through. You don't skip it. You don't stop for Mother's Day, for Father's Day, for Thanksgiving, for Christmas. You just bam—you st- you go right there, right? And then you have topical preaching. That's just like. Hey, what, what does the Lord want to speak to today? And you, you come up with sermon series, and, and the Lord helps you and guides you through that. And so uh, they're, both, they're both great. And what happens is when you become so extreme and set on one or the other, then, then you just kind of lose the whole idea of it. You know, expository preaching is great because it, it really teaches you to just read large chunks of the Bible together to, to get context and to really know what the Word is saying uh, from a story from beginning to end, and it's great. The downfall of that is, hey, sometimes if you see something going on in the church, something that uh, you feel like you need to bring to your people, you can't because you're locked in, and you can't get off of that. Topical preaching can be really good. Uh, You're able to discern with the Spirit and see what the Lord has for this people, for this season, this time. Uh, what can happen with, with topical preaching is it can just kind of bounce around from one thing to the next. You can pull different verses from different areas and combine them in and make one thought, and it can sound good, but it won't necessarily be biblical, uh, biblically strong and accurate, you know. And and so you can come up with things and you take verses out of context in order to prove a point. And so we we are kind of I'm kind of like in in between. I, I think that there's great strength in both, and so. Uh, last week we talked on Thanksgiving and what that looks like, and so this week we're right back into Ephesians chapter 2, because I do see that there is value in reading the Word from beginning to end. I see that there's value, not just the Word, like from Genesis to... Uh, Revelation, that should not have been that difficult to come up with that word, I do know that. But, uh, but then also to take actual like, chunks of the Bible, so this would be Ephesians, it's a letter from Paul to the church at, at Ephesus, it's to, it's to the church, to the believers there. And so Paul writes this letter to strengthen, to encourage, to equip uh, the believers that are there. They they don't have the Bible readily available like we do here on our phones and a- everywhere else we have the Bible readily available. And so you have these letters. And it's its essential to read the letters in a whole because what happens is if we're not careful, then he'll say something to the church at, at Ephesus in Ephesians, and we'll pull that out, and we'll think that it's made just for us. You know, what one of the biggest... Uh, one of the biggest examples of this is, you know, uh, the the whole idea, and we'll come up to it at some point, you know, as we just read through the word. It's like, women should not preach in church. Women should be quiet, you know, and the, like that's the one thing that they hold fast to. And it's like, oh, so that's the one thing that that of Paul's that you're going to hold on to? What about women covering their head? Oh, they don't have to do that. Oh, but that one is true for you. You know, like you really start to pick and choose and go, well, if Paul said that, but then he also said that, but you don't want... You know what I'm saying? And so what happens is you you get into the word, and you're like, hey, I like that. I don't want the women to preach. Oh, but Paul also said this, and we're okay that the women don't have to cover their head, but we don't want women to preach, you know? And so what happens is you just come into this, and you lose the word. You start to, like, despise the word. Why does the world not love the word? Because Christians for far too long have used it as a weapon. It says it's the sword of the spirit, right? It's the word of God. But it's to fight the enemy our enemy is not the world we're to, we're called to love the world but the world does not love the word because for far too long christians have used the word as a weapon against them we start teaching and preaching against things when you go hey maybe that wasn't actually accurate Maybe you just heard something or you read something on Facebook and you didn't actually investigate it. You just thought, man, that sounds good. I'm gonna do it. You know, and so we're we're here in Ephesians because I think Ephesians, we started in Galatians and we're coming into Ephesians. Ephesians is so wonderful of a book. I mean, to cover through Ephesians chapter one is great. Uh, Tony was talking to me today. He's like, how how are you going to cover Ephesians two? I'm like, I'm not going to cover it all today. There's no way. And I'm not even meant to, you know, like the goal is to spark passion for the word in you today. Or maybe you go, was that actually right? What Jeff said? I don't think that was true. And so you dig into the word and you might find out more than likely I was probably wrong. And so now, but now the Lord has taught you, you know, and so you're able to dig in there. But my goal is to to get you into the word to become lovers of the word because you can't love the you cannot love Jesus and not love the word he is the word right in the beginning was the was the word and the word was with god all right so here we go Ephesians chapter 2 we're going to read together verses 1 through 10 this one is packed in there tight here we go and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, That he had for us. Made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages. He might display the immeasurable riches of his grace. Through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For you are, are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from works so that no man can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of us to do. Man, how how about that? How about you start off like, chapter 1 comes through there. You know, it says that we were chosen to be holy and blameless, that we were adopted as sons. And God, that we've been given an inheritance, right? And he says all of this. And he comes to verse 2 and he says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins you, you were dead that, that word death has always meant separation I think when we think of death you, and you were dead we think like ceasing to exist we think of extinction of, of uh, annihilation of, of no more but really, death—the word, the picture that the that they had for in Greek—was a separation. Whether it's a death is merely separation from our body, or death is separation from God. That's why when, when people t- talk about heaven and hell, they, they miss the point because once again they use the word to just as a weapon, and they, they talk about a lake of fire and eternal. But but truly, what what is hell is eternal separation from God. You, you could throw me wherever you want, but the worst thing that could ever happen to me is to be eternally separated from God. But yet we get hung up on the lake of fire, and so then we want to say a prayer so that we can go to heaven so that we avoid the lake of fire, but yet that doesn't really deal with our separation with him because we can say a prayer and still be dead. So death is always about separation. It says, and you were dead. You were separated from him in your trespasses, in your sins. And you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air and to the spirit now working in the disobedient. I think when you begin to look at that, it says you were dead, separated from him. Death is the separation of a person from the purpose they were created for. Death is the separation of a person from the purpose they were created for. We were created to know him, to fellowship Him with him, to worship him, and to serve him. But because of sin, we were dead. We were separated from him, and we fulfilled our fleshly desires. I think the beauty of Ephesians chapter two, when it starts off, it says that you were dead in your trespasses, you were separated from Him, and because of that, you satisfied the the desires of your flesh. You were led by the ruler of the power of the air, right? So we can just throw in the Satan right there, the the devil right there, and then we were led astray. Like I, I was riding with my with two of my kiddos yesterday, and. Uh, it's funny because, you know, just asking questions. And yesterday, Penelope, who is the, the chief question asker in our family, I mean, she can just ask away some questions and she can tell stories. If, if it involves talking, she's phenomenal at it, you know. And so, man, she's just, you talk about a trip from Weatherford back to Strawn, it's just like, man, here we go. You know, it's just like all the things. But we, we get close to home and and penny you know you're like where do you even think of these things penny uh she's 5 and she goes dad do we does the devil make us sin or do we sin and i was like babe that is the question right there you know uh and, and it it led into this wonderful discussion of and and she was she's 5 oliver is Somewhere between that and an older, I can't remember, what is he, like maybe eight or something, somewhere in there. There's too many of them. But he's probably eight, that sounds right. And uh, it led into this discussion with my five-year-old, eight-year-old, that goes, man, yeah, before Christ, before you come to know him, before you surrender, that give your life to him. Yeah, the word says that we were dead in our trespasses. Like, That that we were slaves to sin absolutely. So the enemy, the devil, gets us to sin. I said, but after Christ, I said, it's beautiful, but yet it's also pitiful. Because after Christ, when we sin, it's it's me that sins. The the devil didn't make me do it. Jeff wanted it. Jeff desired it. Jeff thought about it, craved about it, and Jeff did it. And so, you know, you're able to just lay the beauty of that out. And now they probably didn't hear one word that I said, you know, because it's just too much, but it's a great question to ask because I think we get that a lot of times. But it says that we were dead in our trespasses, that you were dead. You had no way. You were separated from God with no way to to get rid of that separation. There there was a, a chasm far too wide that you could never do. You could not be good enough, you could not follow all the laws, you couldn't follow the 10 commandments enough to get yourself there. You were dead in your trespasses, you were eternally separated from him. Because of sin and because of trespasses. I, and it says that we were led astray by 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 the the power of the air, right? So we're led astray by our fleshly desires, by the cravings of our flesh, by the, by the devil. I think we, we get this, there's this teaching going around in the church where it's like, well, man isn't that bad, right? That, that God created Adam, He looked at Adam, He said, man, it is good. That, that man is not inherently evil. That, I mean, that's a question that's been asked from the very beginning and it will be debated till the end of the earth. Is man really inherently evil? We were dead in our trespasses with no way to get there. If we were not inherently evil, if, we, if there was not this sin that was in us from, from from the first Adam, then at some point, if we were just good enough, we would never need a savior. Because we started on the right side. But the word teaches that that we start with the separation from him, that that our inclinations are to follow the things opposite. You know we we, we talked about it last week, and we kind of joke around about, like the kids, you don't have to teach them the word "no," mine," right? they They know those words, they they hear those words, they, they, they learn that. But but we have this, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. We were separated from Him. We carry this over to it says that we lived according to this to the, the old ways. But look look at verse 4. Verse 4 might be one of the probably the most beautiful things ever. Listen to verse 3. You. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires. Carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others also were. Verse 4. But God. The, the, the most wonderful interruption into all of human history is right there in those words. But God. Man is dead dead. But God is rich in mercy. God has intervened in the destiny of man. The, the fear of death has been defeated. That, that we were dead in our trespasses. It says, for the wages of sin are death, and all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. We were destined for e- to be eternally separated from him. But God. What, what a beautiful Picture just last week I was talking to a, a young man that, that has been coming just a couple of times. And, uh, you know, one, one of the things that we really pray about here is that the Lord would do something that's never been traced back. That cannot be traced back to a man. like, like I, we, we want things to happen supernaturally here, but that someone doesn't go, oh, man, this person prayed over me and bam, it happened. Because at some point then you can trace it back to that person and not to God. And so I was talking to this guy the other day, uh, last Sunday, and he was like, man, in the middle of the message, he's like, it wasn't even anything that you said. And I'm like, that's great. It's nothing that you said, but I just got up in the middle of the service and I walked out to the parking lot and I gave my life to the Lord. And he's like, he goes, it sounds weird, but it's nothing that you said. I was like, no, that's absolutely what we're praying is that it's nothing that I say, but it's what the Lord is doing in this place. We we see it all the time. Miss Anna wore glasses for many years and nobody had a word for Miss Anna to not wear glasses anymore. One day it was just like, hey, I don't need these glasses anymore in the middle of worship. Only the Lord can do that. We were dead in our trespasses. There's nothing that you could have done to get you there, but God. So many times we, we make it about us and if I just do this, good enough, long enough, and I can just manufacture it. No, you were dead, but God. I I think when I read Ephesians chapter two, I I begin to just look, I don't know, like I just, there's really no like, I I know y'all probably expect more out of a pastor, but like I just open up the word and I just read and I just try to relay that to you. So sometimes it's jumbled together, sometimes it's not. Pastor Mike, one of our elders was like, Oh, you know, because I'm always like, I'm not a four-point preacher guy that has it all laid out. And he goes, after last Sunday, he goes, that you had four points last Sunday. I was like, I ah, know, whatever. He goes, and you preached to holiday, man. I was like, I know, Pastor Mike, I know, I got it. I'll get better at that, you know. But when you when you look at this, you were dead in your trespasses. You walked according to the ways. Look at this. It says that before him we were dead. We were following the world, the devil, the flesh. We were children of wrath. And in those words right there, we were alienated, separated, strangers, hopeless, godless, cut off. That's, that's before Christ. All in Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 3. But it says, but God, after him we are alive in Christ, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, that he raised us up and seated us With him in the heavenly realms. And that we are God's masterpiece. That before we were those things. We were alienated, separated, strangers, hopeless, godless, cut off. But now we have been brought near. We have been reconciled with him. We are citizens of heaven. We are saints and we are members of his household. Like how wonderful is that? That what happens where I felt like the Lord was showing me to walk through that is that because for far too long we have allowed the past to define us. Even after Christ, we've allowed what we've done in the past to hang over us, to cast a shadow of us. So even though we're walking in the light, our past is the shadow that's from behind us and it causes us to continue to walk in darkness even though we're walking in the light. The enemy... Does a great job of reminding you of your past. But you cannot allow the past to define your present or your future. Where, yeah, we were dead. We were children of wrath. We were alienated from Him. We were hopeless. We were following the desires of our flesh. We were all of those things. But now we are made alive with Christ. We are raised up. We are seated with Him in heavenly places. And we are His masterpiece. The enemy does a great job of reminding us of all the things that we used to do. The Lord will never remind you of the things that you used to do. It says that once it's confessed, repented, it's it's gone from his memory. He remembers it no more. As far as the east is from the west, he remembers it no more. It, it's we were red, we were crimson, and now we're washed white as snow there's not a hint of red anymore. There's not, like, there's not the old self anymore. We were dead and now we're made alive. And, and so where I feel like the enemy continues to remind us of all those things. Well, I'll, I'll always have this. I'm always going to do this. I can't get over this. That's not you anymore. That, that might have been you. That might have been the you I don't even know. But you're not those things anymore. Quit speaking those things over yourself. Oh, well, I'm always going to deal with this issue. I'm always going to, my, my dad was this, my grandpa was this, so that's, that's just me. It's not you. All those things are gone. You have been made alive in Christ. Not only that, but I feel like then, then we have to stop walking in the old ways. We, we can't allow the enemy to speak those things over us that we were that, we were this. No, we're different now, but also you got to stop walking in those ways. We've been, we've been far too easygoing with sin. We've allowed sin to just come inside, like, hey, here you go. How about this? And you're like, okay, let's do it. Like, it's a choice at this point, but we don't even put up a fight anymore sometimes. Right? If, if we were those things, if we were dead, but now we're made alive in Christ, then why are we still flirting with the things over there? Why are we still allowing those to hang around? Why are we still putting up with it? If we were dead and we were separated, but now we're alive in him, then can I encourage you as as a pastor, as your friend, then quit dabbling in that stuff over there. If you don't want the past to define you anymore, if you want the enemy to go, hey, man, I I don't know, I I got nothing for Jeff this week. (laughs) I can't can't bring anything else up. then, Then we have to quit dabbling with it. If there's something that you struggle with, Get rid of it. Don't don't allow it to hang around. If if you struggle with with alcohol, get it out of your house. You're not good enough to withstand it. It will get you when you're tired, when you're happy, when you're sad, when your team wins a game, when your team loses a game, you'll go back to it. Get rid of it. If you struggle with inappropriate images, then, then get rid of a smartphone. Go back to a dumb phone. If you struggle with whatever, get rid of it. It's not worth it. But we go, oh, well, it's okay because he loves me and he'll forgive me. He will, but then does that say that you really love him? No, it doesn't. Quit dabbling in the old ways. You were dead. Quit staying dead, right? Be made alive in Christ. We want to walk the fence. Oh, that that I'm dead to this and I'm alive in Christ. Well, as soon as sin comes right back up, we give right back into it. That was a good one there. I'm speaking to me, man. Y'all can just glean from it if you want. But who you were is not who you are, and who you are is not who you are becoming. The the old you is gone; it's dead. But even today, where you are now is not who you're supposed to be. He's got even more because look at what it says: that we are saved by grace. Why? So that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So we are saved by grace because it's God's gift. But yet we are being saved even. So where you are now, the freedom that you have now, the love and all that, it's it's more. And it's so that he can display his immeasurable riches of grace to the world around you. That through you and they go, "Man, man, if the Lord can do that through Larry... Man, what can he do through me? You know, like like man, I didn't think I could get through that, but I see the way he's working in Lori in Larry, and I'm like, man, that Larry's testimony can do so much more for us. But but if we're not walking in that, then then what good is it? It says that we've been, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love that He had for us. Man, what, a, what just a beautiful picture that is. I love it because it says that he intervenes for us, not because we deserve it, but because he is rich in mercy. That, that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, it says that we are saved by grace through faith so that no man can boast. There, there's nothing that anybody can do in this room to boast that for their salvation. You, you didn't do anything to earn your salvation. It, right, it says that we, while we were dead, while we were yet sinners, he saved us. That whole idea where it says that he uh, raised us up, verse 6, he also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. It's, it's that Psalm 40 speaks to it, Psalm 40 verses 1 through 3, where it says he lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock. And gave me a place to stand. And he put a new song in my mouth. He raised us up. We're no longer in the muck and the mire. We're no longer in the slimy pit. Once we come to Jesus. We're, where he's pulled us out of it. The enemy is just trying to make you think that you're still there. Have you noticed that? Like He wants you to think that you're still in the pit. But you're really not. Because he's pulled you out. He seated you with him in heavenly places, out of the pit, out of the mud and the mire. Right, that, that where we were once slaves to sin, now we're seated with him as sons. It's not like a physical location, like that, that word where it says, we're seated with him in the heavens. It's not like a physical location that we're seated with him. What it is, is it's, we're walking in a, in a heavenly reality, a spiritual reality that where, where Jesus Christ, it says that after everything was defeated, that God raised him up, seated him at, at the right hand of the Father, and Jesus waits for his enemies to be made a footstool. You see, to be seated with him means that I walk in the power, the authority, the victory, and the glory that Jesus had. To be raised up out of the mud, the muck, the mire, out of the slimy pit, and to be seated with him means that the same authority that Jesus had while he walked this earth that I have that same authority given to me. That same victory that Jesus experienced where he walked this earth sin free where death had no hold on him. When I'm seated with him, that same victory is there for me. The same glory that Jesus walked with, right? He said it's available to all believers. How? It says that we have the Holy Spirit. We're able to accomplish everything that Jesus accomplished because we have the Holy Spirit in us. He raised us up and he seated us with him in heavenly places. The last one that I wanted to look at was right there in verse uh, 8, 9, 10. It says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no man can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us. Ahead of time, prepared ahead of time for us to do. I mean, man, what what a beautiful picture we are! God's masterpiece. The enemy continues to tell you how most of the kids are how crappy you are. Right? I I thought about it for a little bit, so if I get in trouble, I apologize. Right? The enemy will continue to to teach and talk to you how you have no value, how you're worthless. But But yet, the word says that you are his masterpiece, where it's something that, that I say a lot, and I think some, the more I say it, the more that I get it myself, but that the father is the only one that can speak value and purpose over us. the The father is the only one that can speak value and purpose over me. Other people can try, and I can believe it, but it doesn't mean that it's actually my value and my worth my true value and my true worth come from the words of my Father. And so when when we look at this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of us for for us to do. Right? That that we are created, like the word workmanship, it's the same word for creation. Where sometimes we think that we just need to be made a little bit better or improved upon. You know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, to put it in, in terms, Chip and Joanna terms, you know, just uh, f- house flip. You know, just like a quick Reno demo day. Hey, here we go, boom, and we're ready, and we're back, and it's a quick fix. We we just have to make a few small changes, improve upon it. When honestly, what it what it is, is that we were dead. It, it's not a quick fix. It's not a merely let's just improve it, but that He has to create in us. A newness in Christ. We have to be recreated. That's what John was talking about in John chapter 3. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was like, Man, what, what do we have to do to be saved? And Jesus was like, Man, unless a man is born again, he can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and Nicodemus, this lawyer, this teacher of the law, a Pharisee was like, Man, how can man, a grown man, re-enter his mother's womb. And like, well, that's weird. And it's like, dude, I thought you were a teacher of the law. you sounding dumb here. You know, and, and Jesus is like, Nicodemus, what are you talking about? No, not born of man, but born of the spirit. And so what we have to do, we are his workmanship. We, we are his masterpiece. We have to be recreated because the old Jeff doesn't just near, merely need to be improved and tinkered with. The old Jeff has to go away. The old me has to die completely so that I can be made alive in Christ, so that I can be created new in him. That goes back to the idea, is man really bad? Well, I have to be completely recreated in Christ Jesus. That's his masterpiece. Because if not, then I will still fall back on those things that I think are good. I'll still fall into my old ways. But to be created new, to be given a new heart, new mind, right? It it, it says that we've been given the mind of Christ. He put his spirit to live inside of us, right? We've been given a new heart. The Holy Spirit regenerates, recreates our heart. Like, that's what we have to have. We are his masterpiece recreated in him and made alive, right? That, That word, masterpiece, when you look at that, right, for we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus, that, that idea of creating something, of working it together, it's not just this haphazard, let's throw it together and make it happen and see what, see what happens, see how well this works out. But we have to come to this idea that we are his workmanship, that we are his masterpiece, that we are intricately designed with a purpose. Where the things that you don't enjoy about yourself, he created you that way. The things that you look at other people and go, man, I wish I could fit into a size large, but look at me. The things that you look at other people, I wish I was as funny as them. I wish I had as much money as they had. I wish I had this, I wish that, I wish that. Where we look at those things, what happens then is then we create in ourself that we are less than. Even though the word says that we are his masterpiece. So yeah, you might not have what somebody else has, but you have everything that you need. And God created you uniquely, intricately, and with detail. Why? So because he knew where you were going to live. He knew what kids you were going to have, who you were going to marry. He knew what town, what, where you are going to work. And he knew that exactly what you needed in order to accomplish the task that he had prepared for you in advance. He doesn't need you to be funny He's got me, right? Like, not really, right? He doesn't need you to be funny because he's gonna place you in a place where that's not, gonna, that's not gonna translate. He doesn't need you to be skinny because he's gonna place you in a place that's not, that, that's not necessary. Like, why do we want to be all these other things when we don't know that we are created perfectly in the image of our father with intricate detail, intimately? He knows everything about you. We're so busy wishing that we were somebody else or something else. And what happens is then we begin to speak value and worth over ourselves, and it's always less than what the Father has for us. You are uniquely you. Do you look like the rest of us? No. Do you act like the rest of us? No. Are you as funny as me? No. Uh, Right? It doesn't... But there's a purpose behind it. It's not because he doesn't think that you're worth it. Do you, do you have as much money as the next person? Maybe not, but it doesn't mean that he loves you less. It means, it, it means that he knows exactly what you need he's going to give you. Can I encourage you to quit viewing yourself? Quit listening to the, the things that are happening to the people outside of your head and listen to the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. He's the one that will give you your value and your worth, your purpose, your identity. In Christ Jesus, for we are his workmanship. We are his new creation that was intimately, intricately designed with excellence. In Christ Jesus, not of human effort. You cannot recreate yourself to be the better version of yourself. You have to die. We have to be rooted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Our identity is in him, not apart from him. You you see that that we are his workmanship, workmanship, his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. In Christ Jesus. That's the key. That was the key in Galatians. In him. Actually, maybe that was Ephesians 1. In him. When we step outside of him and we try to do the things, that's when we mess up. When we step outside of him, then we allow other people to speak value and purpose into us. We begin to think that we're less than once we step outside of him. When we try to do it on our own, it fails 100 times out of 100 in him, rooted in him, established in him. And so my, my encouragement to you, as we talk through these things, it's like, man, is there anything that you're trying to do on your own? Is there any area of your life that you're not in him? That, you, that you're like Milo trying to buckle up that car seat and you're frustrated with me and he's frustrated and I'm frustrated with him and you just need to say, oh man, I'll just let you do this today, Father. Good works for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works we, we we are saved and now we have a job to do on this earth we have good works to do like it's not just like a all right i'm saved end of story no you were created to do good works but here's the key that i found in this good works it, it, it's created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. The, the better word in there, because I think when we when we have do, we think of that word, it's like me striving, figuring it out, me doing it. The, the better word right there in the Greek, it's this idea of walking in that, that he has created good works for us to walk into. So that... We walk in this life with him, that we don't have to run off to go do the good works. We don't have to try to do this, this, and that, and we're running like crazy, but that we're just walking with him, and those good works come across our path all the time, where where we stay in relationship with him, and we do these good works, and it's just, it becomes part of who we are. We don't have to strive to be anything else. I think uh, a lot of times we see things that other people are doing, and so then we're like, "Oh man, I, I really need to do that." You know, th- this time of year, you'll in, w- in front of Walmart, would, would you will hear you hear that uh, Salvation Army right? The ding in the bells, the over and over and over, right? It's great, right? Doing the most good. I got it. But like, so what? What will happen is you'll be like, "Man, I really need to do that," and you have to you have to pause and go. Man, is that the Lord asking me, prompting me to do that? Or is that me wanting to do that to feel better about myself? To, to go, oh, man, I really do need to do that. Because what happens is when we are doing good works, you can do a lot of good works and not be him, in him. You can do a lot of good works and it will bear zero fruit. But to do good works, it's not to go off and do but it's to allow them to be part of your daily routine and habit. To be spirit led by, by him. You know, you'll, you'll see this right now too, in like around Christmas time. It's like, hey, here, here's what we get for our kids. It's this gift, this gift, and this gift. And you're like, oh, that's good. That's what we're going to do. And it's like, man, that's for them. Have you prayed about it? And it could be for you. But have you prayed about it and gone, Lord, is that something that could work for my family? No, it just looks good and it makes it easy. And you're like, all right, here we go. Boom. It's the same thing over and over and over we see. We have to, we're called to good works. But I'm called to the good works that he's laid out in front of my path. Not to leave the path, not to leave his side to go off and do the good work and then to come running back and like, hey, did you see that? You know, we, we act like we're, we're, we're a puppy, you know, and we come back and we're like, Lord, are you happy with me? Was that good? And he's like, what the heck were you doing, man? Why are you doing that? That's not yours to do. And you're like, oh, okay. We do it all the time so that we can feel better about ourselves. But when you just begin to walk with him, you'll begin to see people cross your path. Whether they need a tire changed or they need a spare buck. Or or they need help changing out a, a light bulb and you can do that. You know, like, whatever it is. And it's not you striving to go and do it. It's you walking with him. That he's prepared in advance for you. It's this idea that, man, we just walk with the Father. We're, we're sons of Him, but but y'all are my brothers and sisters, and and so it's this idea of, of the father going, hey man, hey there's your sister, we'll, let's help her out real fast. Or or hey you've had fun with this toy, it's time to let someone else play with that toy. You know, like like when we begin to view it, our possessions and our time and our talents in the, in such a manner as they're not mine. But when I walk with Him and He's like, hey. I, you know you're you're good at this, why don't you help this person do that it It becomes not where you're so tired of doing all the good works, but yet you go, "Oh man, Lord, that was good and not not only do you not feel it's not about feeling good with yourself, but you know that you've done exactly what the Lord's asked you to do, and nothing more to to me just as I was reading through this again and and this morning I was like lord what what is our response to this to Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 because there there's a lot more stuff in there and and we we could spend all day and I could bore you with all the theology and the greek words and and the history behind all I could do all of that but honestly the the goal is not to do that the goal is to for you to go oh man i was dead i've been made alive good works and so for me uh, the three questions that I I was asking myself and I felt like the Lord wanted me to ask you was, is there any area in your life that needs to be brought to life in Christ? Any any area where, where, where you're still walking in the shadow of the old way? That you've been set free, you've been made alive in Christ, but yet you're still walking in that way. It's simple, all you have to do is go, oh man, Lord, I see that. I repent of that. That's the old me, creating me. A new heart, Lord. Let me walk in your ways. The second question was, is there anything in your past that is keeping you from moving forward? We can spend so much time dragging the things behind us from our past when the Lord's already paid for it. Is there anything in your past that you just need to remind yourself and the devil? Amen, that stuff's done and paid for. Why am I dragging this around again? And the last one is, do you view yourself as raised up and seated with him, walking in authority, power, and glory? I'm just going to pray to close it with that. And I want you to ask, as we're praying, I'm going to ask those three questions. And I want you to just allow the Holy Spirit to to prompt you in any of those areas. So, Father, we just we give you our word today, that, that your word, and we just, as we study it today, Father, we just ask ourselves, is there any area in in our lives that need to be just brought to life in you? And any sin, any unconfessed sin in our lives? Father, may, may we just bring it before you today. Lord, is there anything that we're dragging from our past that the enemy does a great job of just reminding us? Is there anything that we need to let go of again today? And Father, is, is there any way that I'm looking at myself as less than? Not raised up and seated with you, not as your masterpiece. Is there any thoughts that I have about myself that are less than the thoughts that you have for me? Is there any any area that I'm walking in less than what you have? you've given me all authority all power and all glory and am i walking in in what in less than what you have for me holy spirit we just ask you to convict us of this to speak the truth into us and we yield to your leading and your guiding in jesus name amen amen love you guys. Uh, I think the only announcement we have, and we'll probably not announce it next week, but a Christmas Eve service, December 24th. It's a Sunday. Uh, We'll do our regular 10 a.m. service, and then that night at 5 p.m. we'll have a candlelight service, and uh, we'll have snacks and refreshments. It'll be a great time for you and your family, and uh, we look forward to seeing you then. And with that, I say go get your kiddos. Thanks for coming today.
0: you